0: Hi friends, welcome to the Bible Project Daily Podcast. And the project is to transform lives by working together through the whole Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. If the podcast sounds a little different today, it's because I'm recording in a different venue. And you may hear some background noises and it may sound very slightly different. But we're still doing the same thing. We're working together through the entire Bible and we're continuing today, picking up where we left off last time In Matthew chapter 15. Now if you're here for the very first time then please hit the subscribe button and that way you'll never miss another single episode. Just hit subscribe wherever you're getting your podcasts from and you too can bring the study of the word of God within the orbit of your daily life. So with that all said we'll drop back in and pick up where we left off last time and we're going to be covering verses 21 to 28 of Matthew 15 and I've called today's talk, Thinking Outside the Box. People do love to think about other people and put them in boxes, don't they? In some countries the boxes are quite delineated They are called things like class or a caste system. They're very much built into the structure of the society. I know in countries like the USA and Canada we tend not to think we have such a strong caste system but the truth of the matter is we really do because we still divide people up into groups based on ethnicity or even earnings. In my estimation I think every society includes people who feel left out. People who don't get chosen or don't feel they have access to all the society has to offer. We sometimes exclude other people out of things like fear or pride in our own situation or just ignorance or a desire to feel superior. You've only got to fly in a plane to see how people are divided there. The first class people are given bigger, comfier seats and they're served better food and their drinks are served in glasses instead of plastic cups and often they'll even have their very own personalised flight attendant The rest of us, and I would include myself in this, we have to sit in second class eating peanuts served in paper bags with plastic wrappers The first class passengers get to have room to stretch out and even sleep but those of us in the standard seating are usually crushed in together, usually in such a proximity that would only normally be reserved for an engaged couple. The first class passengers have flight attendants who bring them moist towels for comfort and personal hygiene, but those of us in standard class have to just sit there and stew in our own grubbiness. Once the plane is underway, the curtain is sometimes drawn as if to emphasise the separation between these two groups of people. The curtain is a reminder throughout the flight that some people, well, they're really just first class and some of us, well, we're not first class and we're not allowed to violate the boundary. In fact, we can't even see what's going on on the other side of the curtain. I believe that curtain in a way, in a sense, stands for the tendency deep inside all of fallen human nature. There is an attitude and a tendency, a desire to exclude other people. These acts of exclusions, I would say, divide the world into us and them. These terms simply point out that there are are differences between us and rivalries that exist between groups, very ingrained differences between different groups of human beings. But this is nothing new. These differences are as old as time itself. We love to put people in boxes. In the first century, it was the Pharisees who were the very best at putting people in boxes, and they ex- actually excluded most other people on the whole planet. The main object of their exclusion were the people they called Gentiles. So despised were the Gentiles in the eyes of the Pharisees, the Pharisees called the Gentiles dogs. And that's not a complimentary term, as I'm going to explain to you in a minute. When Jesus came along, he took exception to that attitude and the actions that arose out of it on the part of the Pharisees and he taught his disciples and anybody else who would listen to approach things radically different. It's a lesson he initially taught to his 12 apostles but it is still a lesson that we need to learn today in the Church of Jesus Christ, particularly, I feel, in the West. Now we've been going through this Gospel of Matthew paragraph by paragraph, verse by verse for some time now and on a number of occasions I've pointed out that in the Gospel of Matthew Jesus has begun now to withdraw from his public ministry in Galilee and he now seems to be concentrating on training his 12 disciples and we've looked so far at two different lessons in a sense they've sort of been through a discipleship training camp what is fascinating in this is that Jesus steps outside the nation of Israel in these next verses, telling us that they actually leave the area they're in and they go across to Tar and Sidon. And then in verse 29, it tells us he comes back through Galilee and he skirts the Sea of Galilee and goes off into the mountains. Now, another passage parallel to this in the Gospel of Marks actually tells us that he went to the area called Decapolis which was very much a Gentile pagan area, and that's reflected in the passage by the fact in verse 31 it tells us they did not glorify the God of Israel. In other words, this passage can be divided into two parts. In the first part, he deals with a Gentile mother who comes to him with a problem with a situation and asks for his help. And in the second part, he then turns and deals with the Gentile crowd, the multitude watching on. I want uh, us to look at these two sections in this single passage because there is an enormously important spiritual lesson there. So let's begin with this Gentile mother. and She comes to him and in verse 21 it tells us, Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. So as I've said, maybe just pause again. We need to consider the geography here to appreciate what's going on. Jesus has definitely stepped outside the nation of Israel here, and he's gone to an area called Phoenicia. And two of the really important cities of that area are those named Tar and Sidon. Now, what would have struck readers of this at the time, who received it in the first century, from Matthew, is the significance of the fact that Jesus has left the area of the nation of Israel, which in that day, certainly among rabbis, was pretty much unthinkable. They would never do this. As a matter of fact, this is the only time that Jesus is ever seen to go outside the nation of Israel. But furthermore, it's not just that he went outside out the region of Israel. He goes over to a Gentile area. And the area he goes to were a group of Gentiles who were really hated by the Jews. As a matter of fact, look at the next verse. It tells us this. And behold, a woman of Canaan, came from that region and cried out to him saying, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon possessed. Now Matthew here is taking pains to point out that this is a woman of Canaan. Now if you know anything at all about the Bible, you'll know that in the Old Testament, the Canaanites were the arch enemies of Israel. So Jesus is going into this area amongst this despised hated nation of Phoenicia and Tyre and Sidon and they are top of the list of the already worldwide despised regions of the world that the Pharisees wanted to exclude people from in fact you could go so far as to say they were outright enemies of Israel now some have suggested that he was going to this area to try and get some rest to try and get away from the hubbub of all the attention he was getting in Israel But be that as it may, he leaves Israel and he gets to Phoenicia and to this region. And here we see this Gentile woman, a Canaanite woman, crying out and says, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, my daughter is severely demon-possessed. Now what is deeply significant here about the statement and the way she approaches and addresses him is she calls him Lord, son of David. Now, if you've been following me along as we've been studying together the Gospel of Matthew, you will recall that back in chapter twelve, the people said, Is this not the son of David? And the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees, had reached a decision and they said, No, what he's doing, these miracles he's doing, he's actually doing by the power of Beelzebub. So if you follow the flow of this story in the Gospel of Matthew, what we have here are the Jews, especially particularly the Jewish leaders who have rejected him as the Messiah that was clearly spelled out for it as far back as chapter 12, the point at which he started to withdraw from teaching generally in and around the synagogue and now Matthew suddenly points out, here is this despised, hated Gentile from this other place who cries out to him and says, Lord have mercy on me, my daughter is severely demon possessed. I think to really appreciate this you almost have to be a mother or one who cares very dearly for your children. It seems to me this passage oozes with the care and concern of this mother as we shall see and what she, how far she'll go to try and help her children. And I suppose we can say there is nothing like the love of a parent for a child. So she has a daughter who is not just declared to be ill but is also declared to be demon possessed and that's what's making her ill and this woman will not be stopped she will not be denied she comes because she's heard about Jesus she's heard he's the Messiah and she thinks well if he is he's the very one who can heal my daughter so she pleads for mercy now that's understandable but the shocking thing is what the text tells us in the next verse but he answered not a word And his disciples came urging him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. Now that doesn't really feel like the compassionate Christ we know from the Gospels, does it? The one who goes around healing everyone everywhere. Yet here comes this desperate mother and she pleads for him to have mercy and she recognises who he is and he doesn't so much as say a word or appear initially to do anything to help her. That might almost strike you as a little cruel and immediately you might be questioning as I did when I first approached the passage what's going on here. Well thankfully we don't have to speculate very long because he gives us an explanation in verse 24 but it's a difficult and surprising one and he answers her and said I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now in order to appreciate this you need to understand that in the Old Testament it said that he would send the Messiah to Israel and then through Israel the message, the salvation of the world would go to the other nations of the world and they would indeed be blessed through that. As a matter of fact it's so embedded in the Bible it's contained within the Abrahamic covenant given way back in Genesis chapter 12. So God's planning all along to reveal his word first to the Jews and then he and they would give it to the Gentiles and that's why we have the expression in the book of Romans It literally says to the Jew first then also to the Greek. And what's going on here is Jesus has come to the Jews, he started inside the land but here we have this Gentile woman who comes before him right in the beginning of his ministry and says, you're the Messiah. And he, in a sense, says, but it's not time for him to be declared in that way yet. And I suppose you could practically say, if the Gentiles started doing that, that would cause real problems to his primary ministry to first reveal himself to Israel. So at this point, he initially is just silent. Now, as you can imagine, that provokes quite a reaction in the women. But it says, he answered her not, not a word. And the disciples actually come and urge him to send her away. Say, if she's bothering you, or she's certainly bothering us, send her away. Now, there are several ways to take this encounter without just thinking he's telling her to go. The disciples are saying just to get rid of her, and she's bothering us. But let's look at what she says next. Verses 25 to 27. What she says and what he says to her. It's fascinating. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, yet so even little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. That's a challenging scripture isn't it? But notice it says initially she comes and worships him. And the word worship simply means that she prostrates herself before him, bows down and says, Lord help me. Now he gets to address her and what he says is, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to little dogs. Wow, so what does that mean? Bible experts believe that the little children mentioned in this phrase, are referring to the children of Israel and the little dogs are in fact the Gentiles now if you feel that's a bit of a strong way to refer to the Gentiles but notice he doesn't say and use the same words as the Pharisee used earlier the phrase that's translated for us little dogs is different to the phrase dogs which were used earlier when the Pharisees were describing the Gentiles now, i think i need to explain because there is an absolutely critical observation to make here when the pharisees called the gentile dogs they meant the type of dogs that were scavengers but the term jesus used here is the name for a family pet today we keep dogs as pets but the term used elsewhere in the new testament when it's translated dog actually refers to something which is more like a wolf something that lived in the hills and then came down and scavenged the garbage at night he's deliberately using a different term that is suggesting a household pet and what he's saying is you don't take the children's food and give it to the household pet you feed the family first and then it's appropriate to give the leftover to the pet you feed the children first and then the pet's get fed. And yes it's often the same food that the pet will get after it has been offered to the children. So Jesus is saying the same thing here that he said to his disciples earlier. I came to the Jew first and once I fulfilled that in the sense once the gospel has been offered then he will go out unto the Gentiles. So I came to the Jew first. I came to feed the children first and then when they're fed the little dogs can get fed but she comes back to him and says and i do love this she comes back to him and says in verse 27 yes lord but even little dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table so she comes back and says okay i hear what you're saying but i'm i'm not suggesting i'm one of your children i'm not even asking that you give me the main course just let me feed off the crumbs and be satisfied. Just give me a crumb, Lord. And then Jesus' answer, we see it all rounded up and pulled together for us. And he says, oh woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. You can really get to appreciate this mother's love by what this lady's done. And you've got to appreciate her persistence that she just wouldn't give up. And what parent wouldn't for a child so distressed? Think about all the obstacles she had to go up against here. For one thing, I pointed out she was a Gentile. Jews didn't have any dealings with Gentiles at all, and certainly not anyone from Samaria. But secondly, also she was a woman. What a barrier that was. The rabbis would not have had anything to do with that woman. And on top of the fact, even the disciples themselves tried to get rid of her. And on top of that again, Jesus initially said to her, Sister, I've come to the house of Israel but she would not be denied in the face of all that opposition. No, she said, I'll just take a crumb. I believe you're the Messiah. I want you to heal my daughter, and I will not be denied. She even said, I'm not going to let go and let loose of you until you grant my request. So the point of this lady is she had great perseverance, but the main thing is she had great faith. So we're going to pause in a minute and we're going to look at the rest of the passage tomorrow. But just prior to that, I'd like to point out that Jesus, remember, has been taking the disciples through a sort of discipleship course, teaching them miraculously with great teaching and by taking advantage of the situations that present themselves. And the first lesson of this, I believe, is a reminder to them that they must walk by faith as this lady did. We shall see in the rest of this passage over the next few days we're going to see that the disciples are still not fully getting it yet it becomes inescapable as we move through matthew and even though up to this point twice now he's tried to treat, teach the disciples this demonstrating it miraculously with the feeling of the five thousand and the calming of the storm and now the situation with the lady and yet again we will see they don't quite get it he's gone over to tar and sidon and this gentile woman ironically not only gets it but she immediately gets it and declares I believe you're the messiah and I believe you can heal my daughter and I'm not going to turn you loose until you do it. One thing that has to jump off the page for us is the fact that she has faith and the fact that the disciples don't really have it yet. But I would also suggest that if you want to be included in God's plan, if you and I want to be included in God's blessing, then we too must have a faith like hers and persevere like she did. Just think about this this scenario. Here is someone who is excluded from the Jewish point of view and the Pharisee's point of view, but she is included in God's plan and the reason she's included is because of her faith. This lady believed absolutely that Jesus was the Messiah, but she believed beyond that and beyond just her salvation point to see that the spiritual life and the life of blessing is lived by faith as well. She not only trusted Jesus as Messiah, she came to him with a deadly ill daughter and she wouldn't let go of him until he healed her. But you know, I'd like to suggest there's another way we can look at the story. And perhaps the critical point for us here is this is a lady who is excluded. And the point of it all is to show us that the excluded can be included in the plan of God in Christ. God's mercy is as wide as the word and his mercy and his love wants to include absolutely everyone. It doesn't matter about your race. It doesn't matter about your gender. It doesn't matter about your social status. It doesn't matter who you are or how you feel. God says, my grace is free and you come in faith and you're included. Just come. And that, I believe, is one of the points of the story. A woman of faith, a woman who was excluded, moves from being excluded to included. And we too are included if we just come in faith. Okay, folks, we shall leave it there for this time. If you do have a moment, why not consider liking or reviewing this on wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm told that's the way a lot more people are able to see it. Also, if you're interested in reading and seeing the transcript of this and other free Bible teaching resources that I make available, they should be on the episode notes or wherever it is you're getting your podcast from. But certainly, if you click through on the link to where the podcast is hosted, which is the bibleproject.buzzsprout.com, you'll find all those links active and usable there. And you'll also find a place where you can, if you feel God's calling you, choose to support this ministry as well and enable more people to be given the opportunity to make the study of the Word of God, not just the reading of the Bible, the study of it, part of the rhythm of their daily lives as well. But with that all said, thank you so much for joining me, and I do hope I will see you back here again tomorrow. Well, tomorrow it will be for me, whatever day it is for you, you open up your phone or your tablet and step out again on the Bible Project Daily Podcast. Bye-bye for now.